Well, good morning, everyone. Such a joy for uh, me and Joanne to be here with you again on Sunday. And I was thinking, oh, good, I did okay on uh, Wednesday, so I was invited back. So I go, okay, <laughs> praise the Lord. All right. Would you stand with me one more time, okay? Just one more time, and let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that I get to bring forth your word this morning. And God, I, Lord, we've already truly invited you to be here, Holy Spirit. And so God, as we just open your word right now, we pray that you would truly just speak to our hearts. In fact, Holy Spirit, we invite you, we give you this opportunity to move in our midst in whichever way you see fit. And Lord, move in, in the in the houses, in the homes, in the living rooms, for those who are coming in with us live right now, we pray that you'll bring them back, Lord, so that we can all worship together in spirit and truth. And so, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus Christ this morning in our midst. And we ask all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, why don't you greet one another in Jesus' name? Just in, in Okinawa, we say we bow them, we greet one another with a bow. In Japan, we greet another one with a bow. All right, that's enough fellowship. That's enough fellowship. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can have a seat. And would you turn with us to First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 20 and 21. This morning, we're only going to be looking at two verses together. And again, that is in First Chronicles chapter 28, chapter 28, verses 20 through 21. And we are going to look at King David's encouraging words. In fact, in this short portion together, we will see that David will tell Solomon, his son, just do it and don't be afraid, Solomon. Here are the people that you need. Now, what is the purpose of this message? The purpose is that you would not be afraid and just do it going forward in faith. You're a fool. You're a fool. Those are the words that my father told me 18 years ago when we moved to Okinawa, Japan. In fact, there were only two times in my whole life that my dad has ever called me a fool. The first time was after Joanne and I were married only about a year and I chose to go to Bible college, back to Bible college. And then the second time, like I stated to you, when we moved to Okinawa. Let me explain this very quickly. During Bible college, Joanne and I decided to get married. And then afterwards, I really listened to a lie. The devil told me, now that you're married, you're going to have to get serious and provide for your family. So I took a break from Bible college and I started working again full time with my dad 
in his restaurant business. Now, for some of you know, I've shared this before, that my father owned a Mexican restaurant. We grew up in the, in the Mexican restaurant. For about 34 years, he owned it before he retired and eventually sold it. In fact, my father had a tortilleria. And what's a tortilleria? It's a tortilla factory. And so he ended up purchasing it. You know, my dad would get bored on things. The, the restaurant was his kind of his main focus, but he'd kind of get bored of it, and he'd always buy little businesses here and there. One time, I remember my, my dad owned a laundromat. Uh, he owned a carpet business. Uh, my dad, at one time, he owned a gym, a workout gym, believe it or not, but he never worked out a day in his life, I don't think, except for golf. I guess golfing's working out, right? But anyway, so I remember he owned a tortilla, a tortilleria, a, tor- a tortilla factory, and um, through circumstances, uh, the old man who was running for him was really sick, and I was telling my dad prior that, Dad, let me take it over. Let me do some stuff with it. And he was all like, no, 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 no. Finally, the old man, he was really sick, and he, my dad said, hey, do you want to go and take it over because, you know, I, I, I need someone to do it. And I said, yeah, I did. So <sighs> the sad thing, you guys, and I tell this with the Bible college students, and I tell this with Christians too, that, you know, biblical practices will work in the business world. In fact, you can become rich if you just practice biblical principles in the world. And, and sadly enough, you guys, I've seen through 18 years, I've seen a lot of Bible college students come in, very gifted men and women of God. And some of them have used their great giftings in the business world. And some of them are millionaires or very on their way right now. And it kind of, kind of bums me out because, uh, you know, I know their giftings in the ministry and for the kingdom of God, but instead they're using them in the business world and you know, this world is just fading away so quickly. Don't want to get um, away from that. But so I started using all my, just the things, all my energy that I was using in the ministry and, and things like that, I put it into the business world. And it was very, very successful. In fact, um, the tortilleria really took off. We ended up extending it. We built a kitchen and we had uh, a lot of to-go food going out. We were selling carnita burritos and tacos y, y todo, huh? I'm going to throw some Spanish in there right now, okay? But, um, but I was miserable, you guys. I was just so miserable. Oh, in the meantime, I started to feel myself. I'm still a Christian. I'm, I'm following the Lord. You know, I'm still involved in the church, you know, just going to church and everything. But um, so I started getting in trouble. You know, I bought my big 4x4, and I bought Joanne's dream car convertible. And still, I just was, was not happy. I was miserable because I knew I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I remember going to my dad and telling him, Dad, I, I got to quit. I got to go back to Bible college. And my dad said, you're a fool. You know, you're going to give up everything that we have and everything that's going. You're going to go back to Bible college. And I said, yeah. And so we went back to Bible college and we went back to being poor. You know what I mean? Just kind of surviving and making it through. Well, long story short on that, you keep on going. And eventually, uh, you know, we ended up graduating and uh, starting the church there in our little city, Corona, California. And I was there for about 14 years pastoring the church. And at that time, the church began to do very well. And we were doing very well. We bought the property and everything. And it was during that time of the 14 years that God was really doing a lot of work through missions. We started out in American Samoa doing a lot of missions work. And then it kind of just morphed into just full time into Okinawa, Japan. And I remember when God called us to just leave everything and to go start a new work in Japan, I remember telling my dad that we're going to be going and we're moving to Japan. And that was the second time my dad said, you're a fool. What? 
you're going to leave the church? Because my dad always had business aspect, and he knew the church property and what it was worth and all this stuff. And, and I told my dad, you know, the church never belonged to me. It belongs to the Lord. It's, you know, it's not mine. But um, he said, you're a fool. You're going to give it all up just to go out to uh, Japan, you know, and start again. And so let me, let me backtrack real quick. So when we left my dad the first time to go back into school, you know, we just did it, okay? We just did it. And then the second time when God called us to leave and go to Okinawa this time, you know, we just did it. We went forward in faith, not knowing what was ahead, but we trusted God and we stepped out in faith. That was 18 years ago, and we're still super blessed today. Just do it. Just do it. Don't, raise, um, don't say it out loud, but raise your hand for me. How many of you remember that really special advertising slogan, just do it? Do you remember it? Raise your hand if you remember it. Okay. Ooh, some of you guys don't remember it, huh? Well, that was Nike's successful, the most, one of the most business successful slogans in all of history of advertising. Just do it, right? Nike, just do it. In fact, Nike became a billion-dollar industry starting, the first commercial came out when? 1988. Just do it. It became their business slogan for over a decade, and like I said, it made them billions of dollars. Well, David, King David, this morning, will tell his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage and do it and do it. God this morning is calling you to go forward in faith and just do it. Just do it. Now, as we only look at two verses here, if you could look at the whole chapter real quick to me, real quick, just look at 1 Chronicles chapter 28. David is coming to the end of his life, and he calls the leaders, assembles them together, and say, hey, listen, I'm going, but I got everything set up. In fact, I got all the gold, all the silver, and everything that's happening, and my son Solomon is going to build the temple. He, first of all, then gives... Solomon a little exhortation and he goes on to state all the things that he has acquired and the temple's ready to build Solomon you just need to do it now and so we read in verses 20 and 21 again please follow along with me first chronicles chapter 28 verses 20 and 21 and David said to his son Solomon be strong and of good courage and do it Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. 21. Here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for the service of the house of God, and every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship. For every kind of service, also the leaders and all the people will be completely at your command. This morning, we're going to be looking at three phrases. And if you want to write them down or underline them under your Bible, they're going to be right there. The first phrase that we're going to look at is, 
Do not fear or be dismayed. Do not fear or be dismayed. The second phrase, key phrase is, He will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And thirdly, third key phrase, completely at your command. Again, completely at your command. I'll restate those. If you didn't get them, I'll restate them. No problem at all. Let's look at that first key phrase. Do not fear or be dismayed. It's at the end of verse 20 if you see it there. Do not, be fear, do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. What does that mean? Do not fear or be dismayed. Well, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Don't be afraid, right? But the word dismayed is the word in the Greek that means to be distressed. To be distressed. It's typically caused by something that is totally unexpected. Have you ever been afraid of the unexpected? Again, have you ever been afraid of the unexpected? I have been afraid of the unexpected. Taco hunting 2022. Well, I can't, I only, there's only been a 2022, okay? Because that's the first time I went. In fact, Dean last week, he took me taco hunting, okay? And I'm going, okay, cool, I'll go. You know, I, I kind of get some snorkeling, you know. I, I go deep. I do deep snorkeling, you guys. Man, I think I go like three feet, okay? <laughs> I got it down. Anyway, you know, he said, okay, we're going to go. And I was really excited, you know, because I heard of all the stories. You know, Lane would tell me stories. And, he, and the way he told them, you felt like you were just there and having a great time. So anyway, he invited me, and I went out in the water with them. And you're out there, and, and boy, I was freaked out. I was worried because, you know, you're looking. When you're surfing, you're kind of at the top of it, and you don't let your imagination go too wild. But when you're in the water, you see everything, right? And you're out. I was waiting for Jaws to come and get me, right? I was. I was looking. But then finally, you know, Dean spots one, and he looks, and he goes, oh, okay. And he says, come on down with me. I'm saying, sure. And he goes way down here, and I go about right here. Okay, that's as far as my body would let me go. So I'm looking at it, and then he caught the taco and got it out, and I really felt, I tell everybody, I was like in the middle of a National Geographic thing, man. Just seeing it right there is blowing me away. And you know the amazing thing? Is after that, I was no longer afraid. I can't tell you how I felt. After that, seeing that, him bringing it up, touching it, just the whole thing. And and after that, I was no longer afraid. And in fact, the rest of the trip, the rest of that time, I wasn't thinking about anything but just about catching the next one. But I got to really tell you the truth. I was, it wasn't very long because my feet started cramping up. And Dean said, you're okay. And I go, I think we got to go back. I started to cramp up. But as we headed back, he caught two more. And it was like, I was just blown away. Isn't it so true? In the midst of difficulties, you know, we're fearful. But then God shows up and shows us something miraculous. And all of a sudden, the fear just disappears. And it was really, really cool. And then we got on the shore and, you know, all the, all the tourists start coming around us. And at that point, you know, I'm, I'm the hero, right? Yeah, you know, we did it. You know, Dean did everything, but you start taking the credit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what? Aren't we like that too when God does something great? You know, God did it all, but all of a sudden we're like, yeah, me and God, you know, we did it. You know what I mean? 
He deserves all the praise and the glory and the honor and thanks. He is the one. And he tells us, don't be afraid. Don't be distressed. Don't worry. Is that true? Absolutely. Jesus told us this very same thing. Do not fear or be troubled. John 14.1. If you want to, write it right next to your Bible. John 14.1, because we won't have time to turn to it, but I'll quote it. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus went on to tell his disciples that in my Father's house there's many dwelling places. God is preparing heaven for you. When Jesus stated, then Jesus stated, if it were not so, I would just tell you so plainly. Jesus is not hiding anything from us. He is speaking very plainly and clearly to us today. The Lord's coming back. And in the meantime, he is preparing a place for you and me. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard this? I'm sure you have. That it took God only six days to create this beautiful, beautiful world, but this beautiful island, it only took God six days. But it's taken over 2,000 years for God to create or prepare heaven for you. He's preparing it for you. And the Bible says that when it's ready, he's going to come back for us and he is going to rapture us. He's coming back soon. Many years ago, you know, my father-in-law, Mr. Sandoval, uh, such a great man. You know, there used to be two great men in my life. Now there's three. Seriously, I've got to tell you this. My father-in-law was the greatest man I ever met because he taught me how to love. Joanne's dad taught me how to love, right? My father is the greatest man I ever met because he taught me business. He taught me the business world. He was awesome. But, you know, Lane was the greatest man that I ever met because... He's the most guy that reminds me of Jesus. You know what I mean? And I know you'd agree with me on that. But my father-in-law passed away at a too young of an age. He was only 68 years old when he passed away. And, and that, I can't tell you how many times that I wish he was still here. Because there's so many areas I still needed help and, you know, and I still want to make him proud of me today. But... Um, I'll never forget the story that my, his, his sister, Aunt Nettie, told me because she was old, older. And she goes, um, and it was just passing. I, was, I just happened to come up to the houses that they were at, and Aunt Nettie was outside, and she was doing some stuff. Joanna wasn't even there. And I remember saying, hi, Aunt Nettie. And Aunt Nettie told me that she had a dream. She goes, oh, I had this dream. And Aunt Nettie was an old, godly woman. And she said, um, Joanne's aunt, and she said, I had a dream. I had all these roses, a big bed of roses. And she goes, and I went, and I went to go tell them to, to Mike, you know, Mr. Sandoval, and her brother, Mike, Mike, look at all the flowers I have. And he goes, he goes, and she said in his dream, he said, I don't have time to look at those flowers. I don't have time to look at these flowers. I'm, I'm building the house. I'm building the house. And she was kind of bummed that he didn't have time to look at, look at my flowers. And I don't have time to look at your flowers. I'm building the house. And when she woke up, she remembered what the Lord showed her. She realized that he was helping, that Mr. Sandoval, Mike, was helping build her house. That he was helping build her house. And it was shortly, about a year later or something, you know, and he went to be with the Lord. You know what I mean? 
And so when she told me that story, I remember going, being floored, going, I, I knew what she was going to tell me, that he's building her house. It's like, like spiritually speaking, that Mr. Sandoval was helping uh, the Lord prepare her house. And then she went to be home with the Lord. And that's so cool. And so it's true. We don't have to fear or be dismayed. And Jesus told us that. Don't, don't worry. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Because he tells us that I'm preparing a place for you. And when it's ready, I'm coming for you. And it is plain. I'm not telling you a lie, Jesus is saying. I'm telling you plainly what's happening. So what? So what? Why not fear? For the Lord God, my God, is with you. Do you notice it says that? For the Lord, my God, is with you. This is what the verse continues to tell us. We don't have to fear or be troubled because God is with you. It tells us here that David calls the Lord God, my God. Do you notice that? He told Solomon, don't fear, don't worry, because the Lord, my God, he is with you. Solomon You need to trust God the way I trusted God and follow him with all your heart. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, do you know why we need to live for Jesus? So that our children will live for Jesus. So that our children will live for Jesus 18 years ago, when we stepped out in faith and moved to Okinawa, it was not just for me and Joanna, but it was for our kids. It was for a testimony of our children. They have seen firsthand the provisions and the protection of the Lord, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Now they are taking steps of faith on their own. Believe God. For the sake of your children, that they will see your faith and believe God on their own. David says, the Lord, my God, is with you. Don't forget that. So David is reminding Solomon, his son, that the Lord, my God, will be with you just like he was with King David. Just like he was with King David. Again, we need to continue to follow Jesus so that we can be a testimony to our children. It is a bummer, like I said, that my grandkids aren't on the island with us. You know, um, one set is in Montana, the other set is in uh, Arizona. But you know what? God is doing a work in them, and they learn those steps of faith. As they see that in us, never forget that. God is doing a good work in you for a greater reason just for you. But it is for our family who will continue on after us. Let's look at this second key phrase right here. It says, he will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Until you have finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. Do you see that? What does that mean? He will not leave you or forsake you. 
It means that he will not drop his hand. That is so cool. Because sometimes when you look in the Greek at these words, they're so descriptive. That word that he will not leave you, or in the King James Version if you're reading it, he will not fail thee. It means to drop the hand. He will not drop his hand. To forsake you means to not abandon you, to not relax his grip. So it's the idea that God will not drop his hand, nor will he relax his grip on you. Sometimes we can get tired and lose our grip. Have you ever seen some of the movies? You know, you see the movies and, you know, I think of the one that I always think about as Cliffhanger, you know. He's holding that person, ah, you know, they let go and, and that, you know, oh, terrible. But you have those ones where the person just doesn't lose their grip and all of a sudden the hero grabs them and does the supernatural. You know, sometimes you look at me, I'm all, come on, how did they lift that guy completely like this when they could barely lift 20 pounds, you know, like, and they lift him up and you're like, okay. God, right here, you guys, says that he will not lose his grip or drop the hand of you. He will be strong. You know, this past uh, few months ago, I was in Montana, and, uh, you know, God has a plan. I mean, you know, he has a plan. Things don't work out in life. Let me, let me use an example. I had this paddle board at my, my son's uh, house, and... Uh, you know, I, was, I had these grand visions of taking the paddleboard and going out up the river and going to the secret spots, you know, the place that no one could get to, and, right? And so I had everything, man. I had my little ice chest with my drinks in there and had it all connected, my paddleboard, you know, thinking I'm going to conquer the world. I get everything ready, and I launch out. Jeremiah Johnson, right? Out there, I'm on the water. Looking cool, everyone's in their kayaks, but I'm all like, yeah. And I was like, hey! And I'm going, man, is that a duck? What is that? I look over, game warden. Game warden. You know, and those, those guys are cool. You know, they're like. And I'm all like, well, that's Come back to him, cruise back. Hey, how you doing, sir? And he was like, hey, man. Do you have a life jacket? And I'm all like, you know, so I don't know what to say. And I go, oh, no, I'm a pretty good swimmer. And then he goes, ah, you can't go on the, the river unless you have a life jacket. And I go, oh, really? And he was pretty nice. You know, he goes, you know, can you go home and get one? I go, nah, I'm like 45 minutes away and everything. And then he goes, uh, he goes yeah, because you can't go. And then, then he told me a couple times, like, I can give you a ticket, but I'm not going to do that. I'll let you go, but you need to get a life jacket. And I'm all, oh, man, all right, see you later. And then, you know, the rebellious spirit in me, you know, I'm all like looking if he's going to take off. And I'm all like, I just, I told him literally, I just want to get right over there, sir. That's it. You got a life jacket. And I go, oh, I can't do that. So all of a sudden I get on my board and I'm all defeated and I put it on the thing thinking I'm going to have this great day. Put my, put everything away and I go, I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to go home. And I thought, nah, I might as well go fishing, you know, out here. So I went, took my gear out, and on the shore I went, caught a couple of good ones and everything, still bummed out. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to the spot that I like to go fishing. I, you know, might as well go. So I went out there, and I started fishing. I went out there, and I was bummed out, but I went fishing. And I hooked up on the biggest trout I ever hooked up in my life. <laughs> Wham! Thing just jumped out of the water and just like, 
coolant. And it was like, for at least 20 minutes, I was fighting this thing. And I was all by myself, right? And I was speaking with the tongues of men and of angels, believe me, <laughs> praying this thing in, right? And I'll tell you the truth. My, I was losing my grip. I was, it was my, my forearms were on fire. You just like, and for a split second, I thought, maybe I'll just quit. Maybe I'll just let it go. But inside of me, I thought, no, don't give up. It's the fish's will or your will. What are you going to do? I remember fighting this fish. And you know what? I would have had a great story still. If I would have let it go, I would have still had a great story. But I ended up landing the fish after that time. I remember landing the fish. And when you landed, all the pain is gone. You forget the pain. But I landed it. And I'm all like, oh, my goodness, the biggest trout I ever caught. And I remember, where's my camera, you know? Oh, no, I didn't have it in the car. So I ended up tying it up, everything, and, and then I set it, and then I ran. And you guys, in between the following the, following the camera, I must have fell because later I had, a, I had a, like a bruise on my leg, a cut and everything, and I don't even know how I got it. Well, anyway, I ended up taking pictures of it, brought it home, and long story short on that, we had this right now as we speak, it's being mounted. I took it down to taxidermy. They're going to mount it, and they're going to put it in Zach's office because it's a trophy fish. It really is. The old-timers who saw it, they're like, oh, great fish. And they came up and gave me the attaboy. You know, attaboy. <laughs> wow. You know, I'm all like, all happy. I almost lost my grit and quit. God. Here, says his word, he will never lose his grit nor drop his hand from you. God will never give up on you. Isn't it true that circumstances in life, we expect it to go a certain way? I'm going to go out on the paddleboard. I'm going to do these things. And all of a sudden, the game warden of life comes and shuts you down, right? I could have gave up. But I thought, nah, what does the Lord want me to do instead? And instead, that event became, so far, one of the epic events in my life of, of fishing, right? But God will never lose that grip, people. Realize that and understand that because he is with you. Is that true? Absolutely. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you had because God has said, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you this is a good reminder for us today concerning our financial difficulties don't love money but be content with what the lord has given you for god has promised he will not leave you nor forsake you we need to be content we need to be content we all know the story of the rich young ruler Man, he wanted to follow God and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus says, well, then give everything that you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And what happened? I can't do it. I can't do it. Because he loved money. You cannot serve two masters, folks. And quit, stop, stop trying to do that. You cannot serve God and money. You either love one and despise the other. You can't do that. And God has promised. Why don't, love, why don't love money? Why don't worry about money? Because God has promised. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never abandon you. We might think that God has abandoned you, but he is not. He will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So what? Again, he will never leave you or forsake you until you have finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. Solomon's work would be done when he finished the temple. Remember that. Your work will be done when you are taken to heaven. God will be with you to the very end. Either we will pass away from this life or we will be raptured. But he is not done with you yet. Praise the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. There's still a work for you to do. Pre-COVID, really. But even though COVID, I still did some traveling. Pre-COVID, I would do a lot of traveling. And I remember people coming to me and say, Pastor Tom, aren't you afraid of traveling on the plane? And I go, no, not really. And they go, aren't you afraid? They would tell me, aren't you afraid that the plane might go down? And I'm all like, no, I'm not. And they'll ask you, they ask me why. And I said, because I just know that God is not done with me yet. I always tell them, God has got, God, God wants me to come back. There's so many things he still has for me to do. He's given me a lot of vision. And I don't think it's time for me to go yet. So I'm not worried about that kind of things, right? God is going to take care of us. Some of you are young here. And your work is just beginning. Get involved in the good work of the Lord. Some of you are old and you think your work is done. It is not. There are still new things that God wants you to do. There are still new things that God wants to do in your life. Don't finish your work early. Don't finish your work early. Just do it. Just do it. Let's get it done. Look at this third phrase. Look at this third phrase. Completely at your command. All the people will be completely at your hand. What does that mean? This word completely is a very general word. In fact, it is used over 1,600 times in the Bible. But it means also at your command for all your affairs. The idea here is that God will give you the resources that you need to complete all that he has called you to do. For God will never leave you. God will never ask you to do something that he will not give you the resources to complete the job. Think about Moses. God calls Moses to go and set his people free. And then Moses says, God, I can't do this. How how am I going to do it? And God tells Moses, what's in your hand? And he goes, a staff. What did God tell him to do? Throw that staff down. And what happened? It became a serpent. God did something supernaturally with what was in the hand of Moses. What do you have in your hand? Just a stick, Lord. Just a spoon. I'm a chef. Lord, I got diapers. I'm just a mom. I just take care of the kids, right? God says, give it to me. Cast it down. 
I will use it for my glory. Whatever you have in your hand, God will use it for your, his glory if you just give it to him. Over 30 years ago, God called me. But I had nothing to offer the Lord. All I had was an apron, really. That's all I knew. 34 years, my dad owned a restaurant. I, my first job was washing dishes. You know, I had stints of doing little other things, but I always came back to the restaurant. That's all I knew. I knew how to wait on tables, do some small cooking, manage the restaurant. That's all I knew. All I had was an apron in my father's restaurant. God used that apron, figuratively speaking, and made me a servant in the church. He has called me to be a pastor, doing similar things that I learned in the restaurant, just serving people, just serving the people of God at Calvary Chapel, Ginawan. Whatever you are, whatever you have, just give it to God. And even God will use the things that you really like. Okisubis. Okisubis. You're like, what's that? That's a short word for Okinawa Subarus. We have a couple of young guys in our church. Ah, They're in their late 20s. Yeah, about late 20s. But they really like fast cars. They're really into uh, fixing up the Subarus. They're really good at it. In fact, they buy them from the mainland. They bring them down to Okinawa and they mix and match things. I mean, they're, they're moving transmissions and engines and doing all this stuff with turbos. and It's just quite amazing, these young guys. And, and they use what they're doing for the Lord's glory. What do you have in your hand? I just got a wrench, Lord. And these guys are, are ministering to a group of guys that I will never reach. Never, ever reach. Never reach these guys, man. These guys are into fast cars and all that kind of stuff. And these guys have become... At just such a young age, just premier Subaru guys. Even to the point that the Subaru dealers, when they have problems, they call it these guys. They say, what do you think it is? And these guys will give them an advance, and they have a really good working um, uh, relationship together. But the thing is, is that these guys have dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ, these young dudes. I mean, they're working long hours. They both have young children, and they, they're both married. They, they married, actually, the Bible college students, a couple of the gals at our Bible college. They, they married the interns and stuff like that. But both are working full-time and long hours. But they are both still dedicated to the ministry, serving at the church, either translating, teaching Bible studies, leading in worship. They're really involved. God will give you the time and the resources that he has called you to do. I'm amazed on how these guys are so busy. They'll even come, you know, on Wednesday nights, you can still see their hands are still dirty, but they aren't because they've been washing. But you can still see them. They, sometimes they come in their work clothes still on Wednesday night. Because some of them have jobs to do in the church in the sense of translating, or like I said, leading in worship or whatever. Or they just come. They're dedicated to the body of Christ. Not to me. It's regardless if I'm there or not. They're still there. Because they're, they're committed to the body of Christ. They're using the resources that God has, used, God has given them. And they just got wrenches. But the Lord uses that. And he uses it for his glory. Remember this quote. What you do with your leisure, leisure time will either catapult you into greatness 
or lead you into a life of mediocrity. Listen to that again. What you do with your leisure time will either catapult you into greatness or lead you into a life of mediocrity. Live your life for Jesus Christ. But God, I have nothing to offer you. I just got a stick, like I said, Moses. God will use whatever is in your hand. And he will give you the resources to do what he has called you to do. Is it true? Is it true? Absolutely. Jesus told us, ask anything in my name and I will do it. John 14, 14. This is what God says, that it will be given unto you. This portion of scripture out of there is so powerful because the idea here is that Jesus will be glorified in your request and he will grant what you ask for. The scripture also says in Matthew 18, 18, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You ever thought about what does that actually mean? What's the idea of being at your command? Matthew 18, 18 again. Let me quote it specifically. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God will give you the resources on what you are supposed to do. God has given you the power to free, to free people by sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ, setting them free by leading them to Jesus Christ. God has given you that power of binding and freeing. And if we don't take the time to reach out to this world, people are not going to be saved. God has given you the resources that you need. Because he's given it completely at your command. God has given you the authority to do his will. John 20, 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven you. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Like I'm saying that God has given us more power and authority that we really understand. He's given you the power in Jesus' name to preach forgiveness or to remain silent. The choice is yours. You know, I think about the restaurant business. At our hands, we always had all the resources to complete whatever the people requested. If they wanted enchiladas rancheras, we just go in the back and we'd get it. If they wanted tamales or chili rellenos, we would make it for them. We could do it because we had a kitchen full of resources. Whatever God wants you to do, he will give you the resources to fulfill that request. Remember that. Whatever he calls you to do. God will give you the resources to fulfill those requests. Because Jesus said to ask anything in my name and it will be done. Such a powerful portion as we think about this. So as we do come to the conclusion, be strong this morning and be of good courage and do it. And do it. Just do it. Do what? Whatever the Lord has been telling you to do. Get more involved in the ministry. Get more involved in children's ministry. 
Believe God to find you another job in order that you would be able to do ministry for the Lord. Because the only thing that matters is what we do for Jesus Christ. You know, when I stood before the Lord, that's what got me. When I stood before the Lord, the Lord's going to go, Tom, good manager. Boy, could you make some tacos. You know what I mean? It's like, when I stand before the Lord, the only things I did for Jesus Christ is going to matter. And that weighed upon my heart. Make your choices with the kingdom of God in hand. Because the time is short. Jesus can come back today. Invite your loved ones to come back to church again. We've got to have, they've got to come back into fellowship. They need to. Oh, I asked my mom and she doesn't want to come. You know what? Ask her again. You don't know what's going on and brewing in her heart as the Holy Spirit is working on your coworker even. Man, because when the party is over, they are just as lonely as anybody else. Do what God has called you to do. And it's time that we step out in faith. Step out in faith again. So look at this real quickly. First of all, do not fear or be dismayed. That's what David told his son. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling us this morning. Do not fear or be dismayed. Secondly, he will not leave you nor forsake you. You remember that. He will not leave you or forsake you. And thirdly, you have been given authority. God has given you and will give you all the resources you need to accomplish the work that he has called you to do. This morning, let's make a commitment to go forward in faith and to do it. And do it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word because your word is powerful. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that these words would just reign in the hearts of all your children here this morning, God. Lord, continue to speak to us. Draw us closer to Jesus Christ. And may we do it. May we do it, Lord. Holy Spirit, I, I know you're speaking to people's hearts personally right now. I know you are. And God, I pray that you would give us the strength to do it. Lord, that rich young ruler, ah, he didn't have the strength to do it. He didn't have the strength to do it. But Lord, may we do it. May we forsake everything and just follow you. May we go back 100% in you. I'm diving back into the things of God. Because Lord, we want to live a life of greatness for your glory and your honor and praise that our families would be proud of us. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.